Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed i'm ken Maxson. i am joseph scrimshaw and we are here on the superstar destroyers deck bridge command center it's our main show this is four center hello friends welcome and yes this is being recorded on star wars day released on may the 5th which is revenge of the sith day uh it's a great star wars time great time to be a star wars fan joseph because even as we're recording news is breaking 
Yeah, yeah, we managed to record just a little bit later so we can talk about some of the breaking news, but something is probably going to, some news is going <laughs> to shatter while we're talking, and that's great. I've got, uh, I've got, I've got you under my thumb. No, StarWars.com has me under my thumb because I am refreshing just to make sure. You're right, just to make sure. <laughs> Uh, as uh, always, we'd like to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, Joseph, it has been a wonderfully busy time to be a Star Wars fan. A lot of things, a lot of shows to watch, a lot of things to cover. I haven't even gotten to all of it. How has your uh, adventures in Star Wars and life been going? Good, good. It is beautifully overwhelming, the amount of Star Wars stuff. I think there's always a lot for uh, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, but I think uh, because a lot of us are having our, you know, inside the home adventure, I think Disney Plus is really putting it on strong, and uh, I think I got, while we were recording earlier our Clone Wars episode, I think I got five different emails with everything from pizza to you know audiobooks <laughs> so listen to a star wars this eat a star wars that like i'm trying i want to eat and listen to all the star wars things please i'm trying please man make it stop but don't let it stop yeah i feel you <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's really, really exciting. I'm, I'm happy for uh, the amount of things, including the news. Um, for my own Star Wars adventure, a long time ago, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, a while back in this galaxy, I ordered, uh, pre-ordered the Funko Pop of the Child. Ooh. And it finally arrived, and it was great. Um, my wife and I both thought it was, like, I think some books that we had ordered. Yeah. Uh, so my wife was like, oh, should we open this up? And she opened it. And went, ah, <laughs> <laughs> because it is, uh, the Funko Pop is great, but the, uh, the, uh, eyelids of the child are painted a little bit more flesh tone. So it's, it's really staring <laughs> at you. The child's really staring at you. And Sarah was expecting to see a book and she saw the child just staring her dead in the eyes. And it was, it was pretty great. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. That's something the child would cause, uh, a reaction the child would cause everywhere in the galaxy. So good to have happening on, on Earth here. <laughs> oh. How about that? Any Star Wars adventures for you? None, sir. None other than the ones that we've gotten to have as, as fans and Star Wars podcasters. I haven't even touched Star Wars Battlefront 2 since the big Scarif update. And yeah, we're going to talk about that in the news. I am, am finishing a book that isn't Star Wars. I just finished it, finally. A Wild and Crazy Guys, the story of uh, kind of some big comedy figures in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s. And, and you know, you close the book and you're like, that was great. I think I'm ready for Jedi again or spaceships or pilots or the dark side, the life <laughs> side. So uh, looking forward to reading some new Star Wars books shortly. Uh, the Poe Dameron one, all those kind of things. It's on my list. But more importantly, uh, all it has been is working, watching Star Wars, and that's fun. Yeah, that's great. That's plenty of Star Wars adventures to watch a lot of Star Wars and get to talk a lot of Star Wars with uh, awesome listeners in all the uh, podcast community out there. Indeed, and we should get to some of the news that is getting everyone excited, Joseph. We have got uh, a headline. We had a couple. We have a couple stories we're going to talk that are wonderful and juicy and make you think and somewhat disappointing, at least one of them. But we got some great news, and this was... I can't, I'm trying to remember the last time, like, StarWars.com was the first place I saw this story. I, you know, and I don't know, maybe this morning other places broke with it first. I, I don't know. I saw it first 
officially from Star Wars, and that's a kind of a nice change. But this is Academy Award winner Taika Waititi. He's going to direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film for theatrical release. Uh, we can discuss what that means going forward in the world, but theatrical release. Uh, Oscar nominee Christy Wilson-Carnes is co-writing the screenplay with YTT. And then the same article also confirmed that story of Leslie Headland, uh, the uh, co-creator, uh, or the showrunner, co-creator, I think, of Russian Doll. Um, uh, or maybe she's the, the full creator. I'm sorry if I gave her uh, not enough credit, credit there. She is uh, is developing a new untitled series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, so that's official stuff now. And, Joseph, we had heard rumors a while ago. Taika was on red carpets, having to not deny that he was in talks and all those kind of things. That, that's how it happens. Uh, but it's official. That's what's important now. Let's go into this headline, sir. What do you think? Oh, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm really excited. Uh, the confirmation of the Disney Plus show is exciting to me uh, because, as we talked about uh, last week or the week before, whenever this rumor happened, big fan of Russian Doll. And if the rest of those rumors are true, that uh, she is looking at creating something that is built around action and uh, some uh, women characters in Star Wars and kind of in a, a different spot, Maybe in the timeline, uh, maybe in location. I think it is time for some newness in Star Wars, so I'm super excited for that. And then the Taika Waititi and uh, and the other uh, confirmed uh, writer whose name I have yet to memorize. There we go, Christy Wilson Carnes. Cairns. Ah, oh, man, I'm super excited. Um, I'm excited for the diversity a lot of us have been uh, clamoring for on the big screen, full theatrical release. Uh, to have more women involved. So I'm excited to have a confirmed screenwriter. And then the Taiki Waititi of it all is a fascinating conversation with what is next for big screen Star Wars in terms of are they do are they launching a new trilogy? Is it just a one-off? You go and make whatever crazy thing you want. And if it happens to be one movie, great. And if it happens to start a new trilogy, great. We're just going to see where it goes. He is a really... Even though he's done Mandalorian, he is a really distinctive voice to just say, go crazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he did in Mandalorian and and, and the eighth episode, the final one, which is uh, up there for my favorites in the show, but it's also very much him. And that was, uh, I don't want to say concern, but that was a conversation piece going into Mandalorian, not just his directing, but uh, his performance is IG-11. Like, what will it be? He has a very distinct style in terms of comedy uh, and also a, ter- a style in terms of emotional pulls and, and pathos and all those things beneath uh, the comedy. So, Joseph, my mind goes there first. Let's let's talk about what you think he might actually do on screen, tonally, any, not even worrying about what it might be, but how do you think it will look and feel? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe you could look to something like Thor Ragnarok. Um, he, he's dealing with a known character. He kind of reinvented Thor, so it, it was not like... It was a, li- a little bit of a left turn, but it wasn't like a uh, total like denial of what had been there before. Mm. I think this is more evidence that that we will for sure be going to just somewhere new in the timeline. Um, and it will give him the room to, I think, do what he, he did well with 
to me, Thor Ragnarok, which is there are absolutely emotional stakes. There are absolutely big, giant themes. Some of the action moments are some of the just like, oh, damn, that's cool moments in the MCU for me. But it is very much guided by that sensibility that mashes up fantasy with very real world humor. And I, I feel like there's no reason to not think that's what we're going to get. Don't know as much about the um, the other writer uh, from a couple of her credits. Um, it looks like she has a lot of experience in very grounded drama. So it, that's really interesting to think what's that combination in Star Wars. Yeah, nineteen seventeen, right? That's uh, I didn't I didn't see the movie in, in at, at all. I was going to say in theaters, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I'm, it's uh, uh, what Tom and Baratheon goes on a search to bring saving Private Ryan home or something <laughs> to end the war. Um, but it's big. It's sweeping. It's serious. It's uh, you know, uh, it's 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 big. It's different. And people loved it, and they people love Taika Waititi. So it's an interesting combination. And then any. Any uh, thoughts or concerns I might have about the style he brings, a style I love, by the way, uh, but bringing it to Star Wars, I, I go, okay, but on the other side, we got someone who's going to maybe bring in some of the bigger, bigger sweeping, more Star Wars-like themes. Again, he's perfectly capable of that, I don't, I, it, but it's, a, it, it's definitely a thought I have because, and I'll, I'll go right to that scene in season eight with the, the, the biker scouts, a scene that I, I definitely liked, a, a scene that... Kind of, I went thought maybe went a little too long, but it made me laugh. Uh, do I want to see a whole movie of that? I don't know. But then the I don't remember that. That doesn't stay with me as much as the emotional beats he hit in the end as a director. So, yeah, it's 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 a I I'm in a positive space for sure about this news. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it could absolutely be that of this is going to be a grounded uh, film with a sense of adventure and flair and creativity and maybe some of that real uh, Taiki Waititi humor that's super distinctive will be, you know, integrated into the plot or a specific character. So it's not just like, it's Star Wars, but it's, you know, super fun now, super wacky, mm -hmm. <laughs> that it's more going to be, I think, integrated. And scrolling a little bit into uh, who uh, Christy Wilson Cairns is, uh, she is uh, Scottish. Uh, she was a uh, one of the writers for Penny Dreadful, which is a show I really enjoyed in the third season. Uh, not only did she write 1917, uh, but she was uh, nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for that and the Writers Guild of America Award for Best Original Screenplay. So I think there is also, those are some great chops um, mm. and great credentials. Uh, so I think that there it looks like there is a super effort to have, let's have some real writing firepower uh, behind this kind of reboot of star wars in the cinema yeah 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 that's where i was going to go next uh, but before my my, uh, my final thought uh, my final thought that sounded so formal but by in terms of his style and everything <laughs> I, I think he's already proved because he was already in leading to the mandalorian there was interviews where he's like no i'm i'm very aware i'm very aware of star wars style my style and how the two can meet but you uh, again being a, a a bigger more knowledgeable mcu fan you talked about what he did with ragnarok which a movie uh, it made me laugh and i enjoyed it he did you know it it i know it changed from thor the dark world and all this kind of, it changed the tone of everything but then going forward it's not like thor is out of place with the rest of the MCU when he appears in the other movies. You know what I mean? So that's why I have even less fear of what he might do to the bigger Star Wars picture. 
Right. They made he made Thor a even funnier and more relatable character by making him this uh, hero who means to do well, but is kind of uh, frustrated and sometimes not thinking through what he's going to do next. So it is grounded comedy. And they followed through with that uh, in the next two Avengers movies. So, yeah, I don't I think while some of his comedy can feel very, very of this world, uh, like, you know, having an alien or say, you know, piss off ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like It can feel very like this world. I do think when it comes to the major characters, his comedy, no matter how broad it might feel on the surface, is grounded in the characters. And I'm really looking forward to that, particularly. And this is a huge thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll shout out final thought on this <laughs> of a lot of our Star Wars conversation about this has been about writers bringing their tone to existing characters when it comes to the sequel trilogy or right. Han Solo or existing time periods when it comes to uh, Rogue One and, and existing characters like that. Even the Mandalorian is like, well, they already set that tone and it's set in this very specific time period and, and mood of Star Wars. If you're starting from you two amazing writers, go what it, make what you think is a good Star Wars. That's a whole different ball game than what's your take on Luke Skywalker. I'm glad you brought that up. That was where I was going to kind of lead it into the discussion, the wild guesses we might have of what this could be. Like, hey, you want to talk about hashtag Meg Solo 2 happened. You know, Taika Waititi, if they were to say that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. He, he would have some of that big, uh, you know, big blockbuster filmmaking mentality and his individual style to make Solo and Lando and Chewie and all those folks have a good, fun, crazy uh, adventure. I'm glad it's not that. I mean, if it is that, it is that. But you know what I mean? I'm glad, exactly what you said, that this looks like it might be a complete blank slate and that's the best way for him to come in and bring that style, even though, again, it, it did work in Mandalorian for me. So what do you think? Any wild, because it, it would only be a wild guess at this point, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, a wild guess, I think it is just how can we give somebody clean slate? And I think that is the big thing. Is it set in kind of, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, uh, it's it not, it not probably not in high Republic, but it's 800 years before, you know, uh phantom menace. So it's just, it's an, it's a war between these couple planets or it doesn't matter. It's during the civil war, but or the galactic civil war, but we don't care because it's just following a bounty hunter you've never met before and isn't going to interact with me. I really I think they will. I don't think it actually will be set during the uh, original trilogy era. Let me correct myself on that. I think they're going to find a place or a time where there is total elbow room to let things grow organically on the big screen. Elbow room. That's what we want some creators to have in Star Wars. So, uh, will uh, what do you think, too, Joseph, about the StarWars.com? Uh, not, it's not like StarWars.com, but like Lucasfilm getting ahead of some of the reports, uh, as best we know. Again, there other people might have woken up to a different report than I, but I did not see this on my timeline until it was posted by Star Wars. That is that is different than what we've dealt with over the last few years. Yeah, in it, for my two cents, it's great because <laughs> we've had it's we've had the rumors right about uh, who is or is not doing a, a movie. We've had confirmations of people dropping out, and is often as possible i think it's great for the creators to be able to to get ahead of that and confirm 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 indeed and we like i said we'll update you obviously when the uh, all this is, is confirmed and yep there's a lot of a lot of potential movies out there and shows and a lot of us flown around and you get the feige movie is this related to that i don't know it seems to be that uh, I, i'm i'm not holding out hope that ryan johnson gets to 
be back in the Star Wars universe anytime soon. Sadly, Joseph, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next story here. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I lost my place on my little notes, but uh, I'm back at it. Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. There's actually a couple. There's an Entertainment Tonight interview you all can check out that was released yesterday with our pal friend of the show, Ash Crossan, sitting down remotely with Dave Filoni. That was really good. I, I love listening to Dave talk about Star Wars. I think he's a, he's a good handle, not just on Star Wars, but how to tell the stories. That's why he gets all the love he gets. Uh, we can talk about, uh, you know, Space Whales, Rift Hamps, and some of the other things here and there. I, I don't ever want to paint a picture that are negative towards him. Uh, I, I, I just don't, uh, I don't want to crown him thy god of Star Wars in, <laughs> in, in, in by himself yet. But He's great when he he has these uh, conversations. And Entertainment Weekly sat down with him and really ran through a lot of things leading up to the Clone Wars finale. And just want to dive into some of the highlights. Uh, Joseph will take it beat by beat here. Dave talked about telling the story of Ahsoka and Rex to help answer the valid question of where they are in Revenge of the Sith. I thought that was great because it's acknowledging what was being asked all the way back in 2008. Well, wait a minute. Where are these characters? And I, I thought, spoiler details kind of aside, I thought that mission was carried out in these final episodes. Absolutely. In those final episodes, you get the double joy of people who've been with the Clone Wars journey, seeing how Ahsoka and Rex's journey ends. And then at this point, when you sit down and watch Revenge of the Sith, you've just got that added weight and baggage. And to me, it doesn't feel uh, like a distraction or question like it was mm -hmm. back when Ahsoka and Rex were introduced. Now it feels like a beautiful, beautiful addition that highlights what's in Revenge of the Sith. And he felt he, he could do that and in a sense had to do that because George Lucas had told Anakin's story. That's what the prequels were for. That was what was going on. Uh, there's still storytelling to be told. Padme, Kenobi, a lot of things we talked about yesterday in the Clone Wars report. Uh, but he he tried to support George's story and a lot of the details. He's talked, and, and I might even be confusing this with some of the moments in the, in the Ash Crossan interview of just saying that he was... You know, talk about being, you know, adhering to canon, which uh, Dave didn't necessarily do with some of the Ahsoka stuff compared to the novels we know as we and we discussed yesterday. But he had to be very aware of the timeline of events in Revenge of the Sith because he knew he always wanted to kind of go up and through the movie. Uh, so he knew and he didn't. But it wasn't just knocking details aside. He just didn't want to change any of the of the bigger beats or change things we learned. Do you, do you feel in general he, he was able to accomplish that? Absolutely. I think for me, the the great thing about Filoni is they talk about he is the apprentice, Lucas is the master. We get to see some videos from back in the day of Lucas uh, at a table sharing his big thematic ideas. And you, you see uh, Dave Filoni there listening and drawing a doodle of a wolf <laughs> <laughs> and all this great stuff. And I think, uh, I think Filoni has brought a lot of his own aesthetic and his own interests, wolves being uh, one of them. But I think he is truly a master of the themes that are important to Lucas. And because they worked together for so long, you break down the Clone Wars animated series. Lucas was able to chase down all sorts of interests, influence themes. And, and I really do think Filoni absolutely has a handle on that. I feel like Filoni knows what the Skywalker saga means to Lucas. And I think he always honors that while also adding his own flavor. Uh, agreed there. He also goes uh, a little bit into the direction of debunking the rumors that George had direct involvement with this final season. 
He says, yeah, he and George still talk. Uh, most of the groundwork for these final 12 episodes was already there, uh, but uh, a lot of room left to play. We saw the Trace and Rafa stuff was a big uh, rebuild of some of the episodes, uh, and, and this stuff, even the final four episodes, might have been, you know, thought of, but even he said in some of these interviews, he's talked a lot recently, just like I was able to kind of uh, do things differently than if I had been done it five, six years ago when we had the chance when the show was on uh, Cartoon Network. So uh, he did say that George is just uh, enjoying watching this. Uh, this always comes up, uh, Joseph, and, and stuff even around Mandalorian, you see him on set. And it just makes sense. Someone like Dave Filoni, who, you know, imagine you can probably call up George and talk about, you know, what you had for lunch and life in general, not Star Wars. You, you got to think at some point, uh, some advice would be given. What what does it mean to the fandom to have George directly involved in a show or episode if it was to happen going forward, Mandalorian or otherwise? You mean if he was like to take the reins and direct yeah, an episode yeah, or that direct, kind of thing? Right, story by. Or if Filoni said, yeah, actually, uh, he called me up and said, uh, uh, make this happen in the final episode of Clone Wars. Uh, how, how would that be received across the board by fans, do you think? yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for the, like the end of the Clone Wars, in the end of this arc, I think there really was a feeling of the uh, the student becoming the master. I, it seems important to me, and I, I'm just inferring things, uh, just my opinion. It seems important to for Filoni to clarify. I was working with his themes. We had talked about general ideas, but I did this, and he's he gets to watch. So I, I'm happy for that, yeah. uh, on the one hand, because it... it it's a story of Star Wars is that you, you pass on the legacy, the power from one generation to the other. Now, if he was to now, if Lucas was to direct something, I think that would be fascinating because it is all about old wounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People forget sometimes uh, how mad the world has been at times at George Lucas. Right. And it's either he would either heal old wounds by doing something that a ton of people love, or he would rip things open. <laughs> and I am more in the camp of rip things open because of that interview uh, that was on the Star Wars show last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas, I think, is a rebel at heart. I think he's restless. I think Star Wars means a lot to different, a lot of different things to him, and he wants to push. And in that interview, I was fascinated when there was a playful interchange about uh, Lucas and Floney having favorite arcs in the Clone Wars. And Lucas was like, I know mine for sure. Uh, it's the, it's the droid one. It's this long, you know, he says it kind of looks like THX, but it's with star Wars droids. So he's kind of got his reasoning, but there's almost a teasing element of it. And there's a part of me that thinks he legitimately does like that arc because it's the most different. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most controversial, but there's also a part of me that feels like he's still being a rebel racing his hot rod and kind of thumbing it at, at the establishment and going, yeah, my favorite is the one that fans still have a problem with. And if you ever let me touch Star Wars again, I'm going to do something that you're going to have a problem with because that's how I roll. Fast and intense and doing that. Yeah. I, yeah, we'd, we'd get that Mieber Gascon standalone film. We've all won. It might be well said. Yeah. And no doubt it would be weird, even just a story by credit or, you know, someone says, yeah, this is, you know, again, more than just, Hey, he swung by the set and, you know, said i make that orange because there was not some of that stuff with uh uh ron howard in solo right there was a george directed one of the scenes yeah you know not really but um 
it's fun to think, but in official capacity, it'd be interesting indeed. Old wounds, old wounds. Dave said this about the Mandalorian and what was presented about the Mandalorian culture in the Clone Wars. Um, he, he, you know, there's without a doubt, there's a difference. Uh, we've been talking about it. We've breaking down and he says he does not feel Mandalorian has to bridge the perceived differences between, uh, Mandalore and the culture as presented in the Clone Wars versus what we're learning in the Mando. Never a primary goal of the story. Goes on to say Johnny Favs, John Favreau is aware of it because number one, he was involved in the Clone Wars, but two, it's something they've talked about and Dave has talked about, but what do you feel about this? Because I, I generally really do agree, even though I do want some of this information, want to get some clarification on masks on, this is the way, that is the way. Uh, what do you feel here, Joseph? Right now, I'm just fine with it because right now, I think it's fine to just have headcanon of, well, maybe there was another faction of Mandalorians or even another faction of Death Watch that had this specific idea and maybe more mandalorians took it on after uh the beginning of the galactic civil war right now there's elbow room to have it be headcanon and have it mm -hmm. be like the real world where you know hey even if you know you're all americans there are some cultural differences between minnesota and california you know right. and i i like that it makes it a larger if it gets to the point where there's just direct contradiction then we'll just be getting into a new point of star wars where uh maybe that's gonna be a part of how star wars works now <laughs> and we might just need to accept that and, and let it go. Let it go. Some of the big lessons in Clone Wars at the end there. Uh, he uh, laughed at the Ahsoka Tano live action rumors, but it should be noted, did not deny them. Uh, same in the Ash uh, Cross an interview. She even joked, look, you're not going to answer. Uh, he does answer in both uh, both interviews, and, and I and I and I really understand where he's come from, and, I, and, I, and I, I see his point of just like, hey, I'm just happy they're asking for it. Because y'all hated this character when she showed up. <laughs> and the fact that we've reached a point where many people, uh, many Star Wars fans, want to see Ahsoka in storytelling going forward. He even mentioned uh, the Ahsoka book uh, in the in the interview with E.T., the video interview, where he's like, yeah, you know, we, I wanted to see what Ahsoka would do because I had a Han book, a Leia book. Yeah, those books are going to do well. What's an Ahsoka book? going to do and it, and it did pretty well so i i really i like those statements and, and again he does not deny them just laughs <laughs> yeah yeah i i think it's not confirmed but it, it feels very close to confirm doesn't it the live action <laughs> appearance of ahsoka it's it's like he's wearing a t-shirt that says ahsoka lives exclamation point all over again <laughs> uh, fascinating stuff. Like I said, uh, Dave is a name that uh, brings a lot of opinions, but um, I think generally all leaning positive with good reason. Star Wars, check out that interview and uh, go check out the interview with Ash on ET.com uh, there as well. Final headline of the day. This was kind of from late last week. We get to talk about it now. Last week, Scarif. We got the big Scarif update on Battlefront 2, and then we quickly learned that uh, it's going to be the last update for Battlefront 2, not for the foreseeable future, not for now, it seems like forever. Uh, EA and DICE have confirmed that the Scarif update is the last one. Staff working on Battlefront 2 have been moved to the next Battlefield game, if not moved on at all. Uh, they do add that the support for the game will remain, but no updates coming. Again, no new updates coming. Uh, next, we'll talk a little bit about what's next for EA. There are some things still in work before their order, uh, their license, I should say, uh, 
dissipates and vanishes into thin air. So, uh, <laughs> Joseph, we, you, you and I love this game. We really do. And we understand at the beginning, we understand some of the problems, the loot box stuff, and this just might not be the game for you. Uh, it can get repetitive at times. If you, you know, uh, I play it in short bursts. I don't play for hours and hours on this one, but the hour and a half I do play, gosh, I have a lot of fun. And the maps and the detail, the beauty of the game, we've talked about it a lot. It's often in our Star Wars Adventure Life updates. Uh, Joseph, what do you feel about this? Scarif and out. Uh, I am definitely sad that the that there are no more updates. Uh, I haven't played a lot of games like this. This is the one where I dived into playing online, and I hope that there's enough of a fan base that continues so I can keep playing it for a while because there's a lot of stuff I still want to do, a lot of things I want to you know uh, unlock and all that. Uh, so I'm sad. It seems like there's a lot of that in Star Wars right now that we're in a very transitional time, so we need to let go of one thing and embrace a new thing. Uh, and then in terms of this actual update, uh, I haven't played in weeks because I've been trying to finish a script and I finished the first draft of the script on Friday. So as a reward, I played for, I think, four hours straight on Saturday and it was great. Uh, God, it was wonderful. <laughs> I, uh, I got uh, the... Yeah, no, it was it was wonderful. Oh, I've, yeah. I've played for much longer than that. I get very obsessive. Uh, I got, that's why I got to watch myself. But um, yeah, I, I got to go on Scarif. I loaded up all of my characters as shore troopers because I love that. But the thing that was the best is uh, they've now made Ray available with her lightsaber, the yellow golden blade. Got to use it on uh, Taco Donna and uh, came up against uh, Palpatine and managed to take Palpatine down with the yellow lightsaber. And like that's that's the perfect first use of that lightsaber in this game. So I I'm really happy for the updates. I'm happy for the journey that I've got to go on with battlefront two. And I look forward to playing it for as long as I can. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I meet me as well. I mean, this game's going to always going to be in my, my cycle of games. I haven't gone back to the first battlefront. Now there's a lot of mo modes I like on the two 2015 battlefront, but this one just uh, improved a lot of things. And, and I thought in the end gave you a ton of variety and it is just fun to, to crawl around those worlds, man. I, I just love it. Uh, so I, I like what you said too, Joseph though. Hey, sometimes it might be time to move on. We all have to learn those lessons, new eras forthcoming. In fact, there's other games, like I said, Currently, uh, a project known as Project Maverick, which is a, a combat flight simulator-based game, is set for release in 2021. Not much is known on on that one. I'm trying to separate what I've heard in rumors versus what's out in the public. Uh, sounds pretty cool from what we've heard. And then uh, the Fallen Order sequel. We uh, believe that's on the way, 2022. And then, as I said, the EA Star Wars license ends in 2023. It's been a controversial run with EA, not a lot of a lot of detractors. Uh, but also a lot of fans of the games. Uh, what do you think about those two games? Anything else on there? And uh, do you have any strong opinions on on EA and their license? No, no. I mean, I, I, for me, video games, they, they go up and down, and, and you never know. And licensed ones are, are particularly difficult. I, you know, I went through a long, long time in the uh, 2000s obsessively playing James Bond video games and having different opinions about that. So it goes up and down. I'm not a big enough gamer to have strong opinions about that the game doesn't glitch very often and i get to run around on scarif as yoda i'll take it um <laughs> so <laughs> for that i'm just I, I am thankfully bereft of a super super strong opinion for what's coming next i'm super excited for fallen order uh because i know it's mean but uh i like cal Kestis, i like sarah junda but i need them to die before a new hope and i want to play that in a video game <laughs> 
We yes, we are going to on a future Force Center may, uh, main show. We're going to talk in uh, about the many hopes in the galaxy outside of Luke and, and what it all means, and 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 have a, a good Force Center style discussion. But I'm with you too, and I like this game. I really do like the game. A lot of things I, I love about it. The gameplay was not my favorite, and and I I found it bored and repetitive. And wanted to go back to Battlefront. That's just me. A lot of people love this game as you should, but I do want to see Calcastus die. Yeah, so. yeah, and they, you know, there's another thing that announced that they're they're gonna have there's uh, some updates uh, already, but uh, yeah. uh, that that's coming uh, for the the some more downloadable content. Yeah, I I, I like some of the gameplay. Some of it uh, got frustrating for me, but I loved the story and the characters so much, and I'm really excited uh, to play a great, uh, perhaps brutal chapter of their lives next. <laughs> Or maybe they, maybe he just retires and becomes a moisture farmer. I don't know. We'll find out, and I'm sure <laughs> we'll let you know. So that is a look at the Star Wars headlines making the rounds. If one broke literally while we're recording, that's why we didn't talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. Before we move on in the show, we want to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have today? Well, for the main show, we're going to be talking about what is a standalone Star Wars story. So I picked a book that kind of gets sort of close to standing alone. It's Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick. It's one of the uh, the stories that was leading up to Rise of Skywalker. And I don't think a lot of people have checked it out. It's a really interesting one. So it felt like a good one to recommend Force Collector. Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick. Download that today or any audiobook you want to try at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. On that, we are going to take a quick break, reset, and when we come back, we're going to dive into standalone stories. What do they mean? What are they? And is it truly possible to pull off? And a lot, lot more. Stick around. This is Force Center. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. It's time for the Force Center main topic. That needs its own theme music. I'm thinking that right now I'm not going to make it up. We'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> the main topic. All right, uh, Joseph, this week is a can a Star Wars stand alone? I see what you did there, sir, and it's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> it is a question that I think we used to talk about a lot, uh, but has been on my mind a little bit more. And it's it, very fateful that we get this uh, official confirmation that this uh, Taika Waititi uh, it, movie is coming along with the uh, co-writer. Uh, and I feel like ever since the Disney era began, really, we've talked about standalone Star Wars because that was the announcement. We're going to do a new trilogy and there's going to be a standalone movie. Uh, and then we've gone in through lots of ups and downs that we'll talk about. But I'm really interested in you and I discussing what it actually means to be a Star Wars standalone movie. And if they're in the spirit of Star Wars uh, and do we really want movies, TV shows, books that truly stand alone? So we're going to dive into that. Uh, but first, I have a warning, a thing we also need music <laughs> for. Uh, we don't have music, so I'll just say, oh, Awuga. So uh, this discussion is going to contain Mandalorian spoilers. So if you haven't watched Mandalorian yet, uh, just uh, put this episode on the shelf and come back very soon, as soon as you can. Uh, all right, moving on from that. I'm just going to I'm going to throw a thesis out to you, Ken, an opinion of mine, and I want your take. 
First Here of all, is. Sorry. Okay. okay. I'm going to cut you off because I love this. I got the notes and it just said Joseph, Joseph's thesis. And I went, I'm going to grab some popcorn and I'm going to sit back and learn. Here we go. I love this. Please. I want more four center Joseph theses. Thesi. Sometimes when I'm putting these things together, I kind of have an approach that I want. And then I sometimes just it gets bungled up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it at the top <laughs> and get Ken's take and see if he yes. thinks I'm full of hooey. Nope. This uh, is great. So Rogue One and Solo were, were described at one point as standalones, but they are of course deeply tied to Canon and the Skywalker saga uh, in particular to the point where some people, I think Ken, you included feel they're a part of the Skywalker saga. Um, go to the Mandalorian. That's a big reveal of the or big a new thing. That is a television show, a star Wars television show with a new character. Uh, but the Mandalorian is really tied to broad historical events. The end of the galactic civil war is really a shadow over everything. Uh, what has happened or not happened to Mandalorians is huge. And then Mandalorian also brings in big canon stuff like the mystery of Yoda's species, Yoda and Yaddle species right in the first episode. And then by the end of Mandalorian, we're full into, hey, it's the Darksaber. Here are the episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels you have to watch to know why other people went, ooh. And that is no longer, even remotely, standalone in my mind. And then you even have like books like Alphabet Squadron, which are introducing all new characters, but they still feature fairly major characters like Harrison Dula from Rebels, and they are entirely tied to main galactic events. So my thesis is if you look at all of these, we haven't had a real true standalone, totally unconnected story in modern Star Wars canon. Sir, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I, I do still kind of come down on the side of Solo and Rogue One are part of this tapestry of, of the Skywalker saga. I, I understand they're not major uh, chapters and and I understand the difference, especially in terms of what Lucasfilm chose to to call one side of the stories, the saga films and the rest. But yeah, no, it's 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 not just connected; it's in the world. Yeah, and to the point with Rogue One, like yeah, it's all new characters uh, as the main characters, even though you have uh, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Um, but when it ends, I think most Star Wars fans just want to watch A New Hope. It ends heading straight into a new hope, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, so if that is true, uh, and we'll get into defining standalone, cause I'm, I'm sure some people, a lot of people have a different idea of what they, what they mean by it. Um, yeah. but if, if we accept that as true is that all of these efforts that have, uh, new characters are, are meant to be just like, this is Han's story set off to the side of everything else. Uh, if they haven't actually ended up being standalone, how do you feel about it? Do you feel mm, cheated is maybe a strong word, but do you feel upset? Do you really, really want standalone? No, I, I am so on one <laughs> side here that even the High Republic obviously is not going to connect to what we know, uh, but uh, give me a mention of a, of a prophecy and balance and will the dark side emerge, you know, like... Uh, the I forget already what the the villains are in the High Republic, which are actually intriguing to me more than I thought they would be when they were first announced. You, you can't tell me that there's going to be not going to be something darker and more menacing behind it. You know, at least rightly right where I sit right now, and I want that. But I want that. I I I want to go five thousand years before 
and still feel that it's in the world that I get to see Corson being built or, you know, uh, Tatooine in a, one of the early huts. I, I want that. I, I want that. I, even if it isn't t- tied to Luke, Leia and their daddy, I want, <laughs> I want to live in the galaxy and I want answers. I want more insight. And I want the emotional, forget, you know, t- t- take it aside. We're here most of the time for, you know, for the themes and how it makes me feel. And I want to be inspired, which is part of Star Wars, but that's part of movie making and storytelling and, and myth making uh, and on its own. In Star Wars, I get, I get, you know, I know, I get a little itchy. High Republic, what is this? What is this? Where's the, where's the Empire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you like those, those touch bases of the familiar. Yeah. I just like it. I just, you know, this takes it to maybe oddly negative too soon, but I I had some problems with some folks that I knew after Rise of Skywalker were like, who literally, I'm quoting one of them, who I've since muted on Twitter. The, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker, it just made the galaxy seem so small. Like, yeah, at what point did you think episode nine was going to be about about the, uh, you know, the the Smiths and the Johnsons? (laughs) Like, at what point, you thought this was the movie? And then even then, in a movie that is about the Smiths and the Johnsons, they are playing around in this galaxy that we know. So to me, it still has to have some sort of connection to the bigger picture. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little grumpy. No, no, I I think that's totally understandable. I think it is understandable to want new in Star Wars and to be hungry to move a little farther away from the central Skywalker saga. I don't think the conclusion of the Skywalker saga is the place that we were ever going to get, uh, get that. And yeah. we've had that discussion about there's plenty new in the sequel trilogy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm okay that nothing has truly been standalone. I'm fine that solo has deep thematic, uh, connections to the birth of the rebellion and to, I love that you can sit down and feel like I'm going to watch a force awakens prequel about Kylo Ren's dad. And it sort of, uh, <laughs> works on a thematic level. I love that. Um, I love that rogue one ties in and, and really makes you feel all of the people who fought and suffered so that Luke could make that shot on the death star. It's, that's all great, but I do want a standalone eventually. So I, mm. I'd like to dive into, what that means, uh, what a true standalone means for you. Is it something that is set in a different era entirely? Is it smaller in scale? Uh, is it uh, affected by large events, but, but not major characters far away? Um, I, I guess is an example, high Republic. I wouldn't think of that as a standalone because it's a launching of a whole new era of Canon mm. in it already has some baggage because unless Yoda is taking the, you know, hundred year Yoda nap that he must do, you know, <laughs> every other hundred years or whatever, yeah. Yoda's hang, Yoda's presence is hanging over it, you know? Yep. Um, so that to me isn't quite standalone. What do you think is standalone? Uh, you're saying a lot of things. I think again, this is this is probably from my perspective. Maybe it's not 100 percent right, but like new era. Uh, um, I don't know if I need it smaller, but whatever they're dealing with is more self-contained, not connected to the bigger picture. So maybe it isn't dark side. I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, but I think I start with I I need it somewhere else. Doesn't necessarily have to be other parts of the galaxy. I don't need it always to be like, Oh, you mean like unknown regions? No, I just like, and again, then, then that brings up the question of, all right. So if it's, if it's on baby Coruscant 
uh, you know, uh, is that stand completely standalone? I, I would be if it's six thousand years earlier. I, I could take it in that kind of standalone world. But again, then again, I don't know. Maybe you might th- maybe you might be on the uh, on the side of uh, give me a planet in a part of the galaxy. Maybe even another complete galaxy. I don't know. I don't know. Just, yeah, I think for me. A part of my definition of standalone is you can truly watch it by itself and and you don't need another thing, another piece of Star Wars storytelling to give it meaning. It Maybe it has meaning uh, baked into itself. Maybe there's a sense of history to it by itself. And maybe it's, if it happens in Coruscant, you know, when the, back when the city planet was only like two levels tall, you know, mm-hmm. that might be a fun detail. But you would, if you had never seen a Star Wars before, you could utterly jump in. I think that's an element of it to me that it is it truly stands alone as in you can just watch this one thing um that's a big part of it to me i think to uh, i think what i'm reacting to the most is that there's that excitement that star wars is so big and you can invent so many things and the galaxy and the timeline are so huge to me it's just about telling a story where there isn't a direct tie to major events or major characters. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I maybe we'll get this with like a Disney Plus show. I don't see any reason why you couldn't invent a 100 years before Phantom Menace or 100 years after the sequel trilogy, a system of planets. You invent a couple different kinds of characters. Maybe there's some new bounty hunters. Maybe there is, you know, a, a group of... Uh, force wielders who use the force totally differently and they have a conflict in that system and the stakes are super high and it's very star wars but it just doesn't have any relation they don't uh, find a scroll that references uh leia organa you know Mm. in prophecy it's not teeing up anything else it's contained in this newly invented world yeah and i'm behind that I, i i'm i'm interested in that i think it again it's my It'd be my tendency to be like, oh, 100 years in. Oh, so they gonna, are they going to talk about uh, Ray? Are they going to talk about Ray? Am I, I going to hear Ray's name? That's just me. And I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't necessarily need it. So I think what you're I think that's truly standalone in, in, in terms of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I guess maybe as an example, just imagine, uh, in terms of the kind of creativity of what could go into this, imagine that the Night Sisters weren't introduced in the Clone Wars. And you just, you, uh, you just come to a planet like Dathomir. And there are these things that when the Night Sisters were introduced, kind of a new take on different ways to look at and use the force. And you just meet somebody as cool as the Night Sisters. And then they have a conflict with some bounty hunters. And it kind of doesn't matter when because mm-hmm. it doesn't have galactic stakes. It's just a story that is about those characters. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm on board for that. More Night Sisters. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> more night sisters yeah I, look I'm, I'm i'm on board for it um i'm on board for it still i'd rather hear uh rogue too <laughs> okay <laughs> you want those bothans to get their day in the sun please first. i'm waiting for it yeah 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 uh yeah i just think like with that headland disney plus series you know people are always like oh which canon could this be and and there's so much canon that i do want this is not against you know hey right. make solo two happen i'm all on board hashtag make solo two happen and i'll buy the t-shirts I, I want it um but i also think that we can expand and we can use star wars as a palette to just invent something totally new another example of a standalone movie to me would just be hey this happens uh, you know sometime 
when Jedi flourished. And here's an individual adventure that a Jedi and a Padawan have on a planet, period. Not right. lo- It's not involved in the High Republic. It's not going to connect anything else. And But just who those characters are, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it could work. It could work. Yeah. Um, if there were going to be a standalone mm-hmm. like this, what kind of format would you be interested in? Would you want it as a book that's hyped up as a, this is a one shot of new characters, or would you want it to be a Disney plus series, a Disney plus movie? Do you want that to be this new m- movie for, uh, theaters, uh, big screen theaters? I, I think now with, with all the options in front of us, I think, uh, Disney Plus series, TV series, uh, so to speak, would work best for me. That way, a little less pressure. Uh, if I find myself not fully invested in it, um, you know, it's easier to just say, all right, cool. Hey, that that exists. That's there in the corner versus uh, a movie. I feel a lot of, a lot of people, I, I understand uh, if, if you don't like some of the newer films that I love, I understand there's some level of... Understanding because man, we had it's a movie, a Star Wars movie, and I didn't like it, and that 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 that's it's not a great feeling, you know. That that's that does suck. Whereas the TV show can can kind of you can not pay attention to it as much if, if you don't want to. You know what I mean? So I'll go there. Yeah, yeah, and it is possible that the idea of a standalone movie, the way I'm defining it, and again, I totally understand this is my definition. Other people might have other definitions, but, but something that's meant to be kind of closed off, um, might not feel big enough or grand enough for the big screen. and might be more fun as a one-off animated movie on Disney plus or a book or, a, you know, a graphic novel. I should also say again, in case it hasn't been super clear, I'm really talking about modern Canon. I'm yeah. not a super expert on legends and expanded universe. And I think there were things that, that got closer to, to this feeling back then. Um, what in current canon, Ken, mm-hmm. feels the most standalone to you? W- what has been either rewarding or challenging because you feel like you're not connected to the familiar in Star Wars? Ooh, I, I think, and and it, and it ends up it's 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 very connected. But even though all the way through it, it's got things in the sequel trilogy, um, you know, ships and everything. I'm looking at the Phasma novel. And that mm. was the biggest challenge for me that I'm glad that I'm glad I, I, I stuck with and stuck through because, again, even though you get Vimerati, Cardinal, and you're on a Star Destroyer, you're like, cool, it's 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 Star Wars, and it's Star Wars that I just saw on the big screen. It's that thing. Once it really gets into her story, and it's so just out there, and it's, it's different, and I just was like, I don't know if I'm into this. Then I I, I pulled through, and, and then it, and it's great. Uh, it does connect. It, it starts to connect more. So I don't know. I guess you could argue with with me and go, well, you you started to like it the more it became connected. Uh, I don't know. I'm devil's advocating myself here. Uh, but, <laughs> but that's an example of something where it's just like, well, I don't even know this world, this culture, what's going on. This is so different. And I felt lost. And that's a weird feeling as a Star Wars fan. As a Star Wars fan, other things maybe not, but as a Star Wars fan, to feel a little lost in unfamiliar territory was a little weird for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm totally with you. That's one jumps to mind is it starts so much on Phasma's culture where she comes from is really built up as this whole different world. Uh, You know what a resistance spy is and a first order officer, but you haven't met these before these characters before. But then by the end, it starts to get into like super juicy, important first order Hux Mm. family backstory. Like it gets into into real big canon. And then obviously, you know, it, it is still about uh, Phasma, one of the very <laughs> visible yeah. big characters. Um, for me, I got a little bit of it with the Canto Bite book of stories. Mm. Because even though Canto Bite is known location, it was very much all of the just weird machinations of a exotic casino planet. Um, I think... I haven't had a chance to read the uh, Twilight uh, Battlefront um, book. The and first one, right? Okay. Same. That might might be a little bit more what I'm looking for, but it's still like solidly in the Galactic Civil War. It's solidly in a super well known event, right? Right on Hoth and all that stuff. Yeah. And I haven't read that yeah. one. And I haven't I haven't read the Canto Bite one. That's uh, two of the two of the new canon books I didn't actually read. So I wonder if I'd feel the same way about the Canto Bite one. Yeah, I think you would because there's there is not a lot I can canon to hang your hat on unless you have you know really memorized all of the Canto right. Bite aliens right. <laughs> from the casino, some of whom got cut. Uh, I'm interested to ask you about this in terms of things that feel standalone. We've got this upcoming Thrawn trilogy, mm. the Thrawn Ascendancy, which looks like it's going to be set into how did he become a big deal within the Chiss, right? Right. Are you excited about that? And if if not, is it because it does feel more removed from the Star Wars you know? I I am less excited. I think I'm excited because I do enjoy the character of Thrawn, both old and new. I do like him a lot in Rebels. Um, he, yeah. So, but but I definitely want to read it. But um, I'm, I'm searching myself here. I think I want to read it because to see is it going to give me any answers of the galaxy I know, you know, his interactions with Palpatine and Vader and everything are very intriguing. I love a lot of that Thrawn stuff. Uh, Zahn style sometimes maybe not my favorite, but that aside, because I still think he's a, he's a great author. Um, yeah, I'm a little less excited because to me, I'm like, ah, cool. It's out there. Let me know what happens, but I'll read them. Of course I'm going to read them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to read them and we're going to do reviews about them. So the, yeah. that's not a question. Yeah. And it is intriguing to me because Thrawn is a major Star Wars character. And, you know, it, the, the other trilogy with him, yeah, it's got Padme, it's got Vader, it's got Palpatine, it's got all sorts of ties directly right. into Rebels, all sorts of stuff going on to make it uh, touch the Star Wars we know. But with going back to his younger days in the Chiss, there's that push-pull of our... Uh, is the larger Star Wars storytelling world encouraging Zahn to flesh out the unknown regions and therefore maybe suggest some ideas about the First Order? Or is it really just going to be like, here's your corner, do whatever you want. It is not going to touch any other Star Wars. And if it doesn't, is that going to be thrilling? Or is it going to feel like you're only super invested if you're a big fan of Thrawn? Yeah, and I have a feeling it's going to be that, which is, uh, I'm happy to take that test, you know what I mean? And, and this isn't a test of Zahn or anyone, but just for me as a fan, to test myself. All right, if this is so uh, kind of more far removed than I'm used to, 
how, how do I feel about that? Just a, a story, a great sci-fi story that has a Star Wars label on it and some names I'm, I'm familiar with and doesn't end up, like you said, with a with a book. And then he turned to a young kid named Sheev. You know, if it doesn't have that, <laughs> am I okay with it? And I, I look, I think I will if the, if the author's uh, talented enough to tell, to tell their stories. Yeah. But that is a test. It'll be a test for me. Yeah. Yeah, it will be a very interesting test. Uh, I want to get into digging down into why you and I and maybe some other fans do gravitate more toward things that are connected to any part of Star Wars that we know. Because I certainly go through that. Even when I have characters I like in a book, uh, the first time I open a book and I'm like, oh boy, let me meet a bunch of new characters. <laughs> I feel like, okay, I have to put some investment in. Whereas like I open up Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray and like, yes, please, I get to spend more time with some of my favorite characters. There is a real difference uh, mm-hmm. for me, even though I'm a champion of wanting more standalone. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the nature of Star Wars compared to other things that I do love, like, you know, Doctor Who or, or Star Trek, that Star Wars has always been caught up in its own history, even in A New Hope, even before A New Hope was called A New Hope. When it was the only Star Wars movie, it was connected to the larger canon of Star Wars because Luke was caught up in events that were beyond him. Everything was about uh, what had happened in the past with Luke's father. You know, I could go on and on about how much a sense of history and a sense of being connected to the past is present in the DNA of Star Wars. Do you think that is a part of why we gravitate towards wanting some familiar in our Star Wars, no matter what? I think so. And I think it's on a level that maybe a lot of people don't understand. Cause again, going to, you know, uh, made the galaxy smaller. It's, it's just kind of this buzzword for, uh, for things. Uh, um, uh, the aftermath novels come out and what's the, what's the major pushback against them? And especially in, in the first, uh, first release, where's the characters we know, but yet we're always hearing, Oh, I just want some news stories. I hear that all the time from off air from friends. Oh, they're, they're, they're doing a Kenobi series. They can't come up with any other ideas. And then, you know, if Leslie Headland series is 12 characters we've never heard of, you guarantee you're going to feel like, I don't feel connected to these new people. And I don't think there's anything with star Wars. That just might be, might be human nature. You know, just might be what we are. <laughs> uh, that game of Thrones pilot that got, that got canned. There's still way more details to be learned in that, but I think there's some truth to the idea of, yeah, it had some names, fam- family names you knew, but this other one had dragons and Targaryens and more formed castles than uh, the ones in the other series. And Game of Thrones fans are going to be more connected to those things immediately. I think it's just kind of the, the way of it. And Star Wars um, has to deal with that, maybe more than other franchises. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think for myself, it goes to and I've kind of had to self-interrogate myself to come to this. Yeah. It goes to one of the reasons that I love Star Wars, and I think I always have, is I love that sense of history and the sense that we are all connected, that sense of uh, fate and destiny. To me, it goes mm-hmm. to what the Force is about, Yoda's speech to Luke in Empire Strikes Back about it, between you and me and the tree, and that sense that there's something kind of larger at work here and we're all connected is uh, something that I really love just conceptually as an idea. And I think every time you open a star Wars book and wondering, is it, is it all connected? Is it going to give me those same sort of chills of, 
I didn't realize that this, uh, this little piece of Star Wars storytelling has these wonderful reverberations that connect to this other piece of Star Wars storytelling uh, far away. So for me, it goes like deeper than, I don't know if I like this new character yet, I'm bored, to, oh, good, they mentioned Obi-Wan. It's that idea of connection and also just the weight of history. Like, I remember being a little kid and I could just understand that it was a big deal when Ben Kenobi said, that's a name I've not heard in a long time, a long time. Just like the weight and power of that, I understood emotionally as a kid. So I think what I want in Star Wars is that feeling. I don't need it to come from this character 500 years earlier had a vision of Darth Vader. That's cool. I like it. But it's more about that sense of weight in history. So I feel like if we met brand new characters, but they were, you know, spelunking in a temple, Mm. I'd be into it right away because it would have that sense of history and of being connected to something more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you're talking again, I don't know if this is a direct answer or add on to what you're saying. Fill me out here, but like uh, the legacy or the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, which has, has some absolutely just 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 weird stories in it, but overall it connected way more uh, as we should have guessed, way way more to the spirit of Skywalker and in, in uh, Last Jedi. But you know, he goes to some of those planets, and it's so different, and he's flying around on birds and fishing with this long spear and everything. And I I remember just like, eh, but then when it, when you realize they're talking about the tide and they kind of mean the force, because that's how they interpret the force or what they call the force. Suddenly this connection that is not even set, it's not, they're not like, Oh, we call it the tide. They just call it the tide. But when you have that realization as Luke does like, Oh, we're dealing with this thing. This that's, that's part of the connective thread. I, I like, at least I feel so that I feel a little bit, of home safe. I'm home. I'm touching the table. I'm safe. You can't tag me. Uh, I, I don't know if that f- exactly is what you're talking about, but that's how I feel sometimes. I, I just, Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. Go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, no you yeah. go. Yeah. I just don't. I, yeah. Just, uh, Cause I love to just like you, I love the, well, this prophecy shows a young lit. She'll have hair and buns and she will lead the guy. Like, yeah, that's great. I want that too. But just knowing i that's why even the high republic thing going back to that just holds you know it's the jedi and we know the sith are dormant or at least they're you know uh, you know they're hiding whatever it is at some point the dark side is you don't have to call it the sith but the dark side is present i want that dealt with and then that's the connection i need the rest stand alone as much as you want to stand alone just give me that big stuff yeah. Yeah. And, and the high Republic's a great example because it is dealing, you, you can, it, it'll be new characters, but you can kind of put it on the timeline and say, what the philosophy of the Jedi, how does that interact with the stories that I know? What's their understanding of the force? Great right. point of the Sith are dormant, but the dark side is always there. So how does that manifest? And then you get into like the Yoda and then you get into the, if they got to go to a bar for information, they could go to Moss. <laughs> yeah. You start going closer and closer. Um, I think for me, it goes to just kind of taste in Star Wars too. I, I, I love the bounty hunters. I, I, I don't need everything to be about the force. Um, and while I really, really enjoyed Star Wars Resistance, the animated series, there were episodes every once in a while where I felt like some of that sense of connection to the mystical in the larger than life uh, in the sense of we're all connected was kind of there sometimes and and other times not. And Mm. I didn't dislike it. I just really registered that. Ooh, 
this doesn't feel as Star Wars to me because that's such a huge part of my love of Star Wars is what the Force embodies. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. So we're going to move on then because uh, I could just ramble about the Force all day. When it looked like the standalone movies were going to continue, when Rogue One was first coming out and was like, wow, that's a war movie, and they killed everybody. They're, they're willing to do some different things. Mm. We talked a lot and hoped a lot about the standalone movies doing different kinds of genre storytelling. What genre do you still really want to explore? Do you really want, you know, a, a Star Wars rom-com, a Star Wars comedy, a horror? What excites you? You know what I want? I want, I'll tell you what I want. I just popped my head the other day. I want a forbidden romance story. Give me, <laughs> give me two Jedi 3,000 years ago fall in love with each other. Not, not, Ooh. you know, and, uh, you know, two Jedi masters on a, you know, mission, not Padawan. We don't want to get some icky student teacher relationship here. And they fall in love and then, and you explore attachment and the themes of attachment in the Jedi and what it means and how it could go wrong and why that's wrong, but why it could be right. Uh, straight romance. Maybe even as close as we can get to the first Star Wars sex scene. I don't know. T turn the, <laughs> do a kiss by lightsaber light. I don't know. I'd be good with that. <laughs> you want a uh, nine and a half parsecs. Got it. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> last tango and Coruscant. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. That is very exciting to me. I like that a lot. You've got attachment. The, uh, the Jedi movie. <laughs> rom-com sexy times no oh, that's great that's a that's a great pitch and that's such a great example of we know that jedi wandered the galaxy for thousands of years so uh how can we tell just a story that illuminates the jedi but is about those characters in a specific incident uh, that's really exciting to me because it it connects to what i love about star wars and i know jedi and lightsabers and the force and cool ships are going to be present but it's a new idea that doesn't need to you know mention the clone wars yeah yeah very powerful uh for me genres i'm still interested in oh straight star wars horror uh straight star wars comedy or a star wars horror comedy would probably be my favorite mm. what yeah. we do in the dark side shadows <laughs> you might be yeah, getting it. I guess it. so. <laughs> I just, I, I, we, uh, I was a guest on Alden Diaz's great uh, Star Wars podcast, uh, Octo Radio. Uh, we're talking about comedy in Star Wars. And I, I, I feel like a lot of great comedy, a lot of classic, particularly early film comedy, silent comedies uh, in particular, and early talkies, they're just about people in trouble. They're just about Buster Keaton is, you know, trying to accomplish something and everything in the world is against him. And I think there's some makings of some great bounty hunter or scoundrel comedy where the stakes can be real, the action can be real, but you get this great comedy from a character who's just really having the worst adventure of their life. Uh, and I would, I would love to see something like that. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that pitch. You got go picture. Oh, good. I got go pictures. It's been a while since I got go pictures. So thank you. Um, as Star Wars fans who are, are uh, pretty all in, uh, you, you and I are, do you think there's value in potential standalone for bringing in new fans? Yeah, especially now. Um, Clone Wars is completely connected to the prequel era. era. Don't don't think I don't know that or disagree with that. But 
man, didn't that bring in a ton of new people? And it was something kind of brand new that a lot of us old fogies at first were like, I don't know. They don't even have the right song attached to it. And now the people were like, oh, yeah, that's the first Star Wars I saw. And that's on something super connected that was just different enough. Yeah. Imagine a, a, a movie or a show. Um, you know, jokes aside, a forbidden romance story is going to bring in a different uh, kind of fan, too. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's something that's always, even for someone like me who might bristle sometimes at change, uh, that's in real life and Star Wars, uh, eventually you get through it and you're better for it. And that's uh, that's something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I just get excited about if uh, a new thing hooked somebody on the promise of, Hey, you don't, you don't need to be a star Wars expert. You don't have to read any Wikipedia pages that that might be a great thing to open the door uh, for even more fans and more perspectives. And uh, I should ask somebody, I, I Mandalorian got talked about a lot in the, in the first few episodes really did feel like, yeah, you don't need to know anything. And then I'm just really affected by the fact that it does start that way. It's enriched if you know the timeline and, and different, you know, beats, uh, do you know, an ATSD, all that, but then it ends with, you better look up, <laughs> you better know the dark saber or look it up on Wikipedia. Right. Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. And I think, and that, I think it's going to start. Journey was like, yeah, I think it's going to start tripling down on that season two. Yeah. I, I yeah. Think they're going to be yeah, like, it, yeah, sorry, sorry. We're, uh, we're having remote uh, step over bumps. Uh, uh, um, yeah. I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, you in season two, you're going to be like, you, Oh no, you have to watch season three, episode nine of clone wars. <laughs> yes. Here's the frame of Bo-Katan that explains everything. Yeah. Um, how would you feel about standalones where filmmakers went even more into their own style, regardless of it being star Wars? Uh, we kind of already touched on this cause we didn't have the news about uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, but assuming that he's not directing the, you know, the old Republic movies and he is, uh, and, and the co-writer are making something new. How do you feel about major star Wars being standalone? And because it's standalone saying, go crazy, do whatever you want. I think that's the place for it. I'm curious to see it really play out. I can't help but think of some of the controversy around the Lord and Miller stuff because they have very much their own style, and some of you still may be thinking that should have been the way it happened. We don't know all the stories, but there's some things I've heard, true or not, just make me go, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that that would have worked for me. Taika Waititi, uh, as we talked up top in the news, brings a little bit of that trepidation, but I think in the end, I think he's already said, no, you got to kind of keep it the same. So in terms of just style, not necessarily jokes and writing style, but just how it looks and feels, I still think has to capture some sort of Star Wars vibe, but that will be the place to, to give it a go. Things get, look, I, you know, I want someone to come in and look at it a different way. I a big fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. Peter Jackson comes in and goes, no, we're going to treat fantasy serious, play it straight. Uh, not a wink and, and a, a nudge at the camera. And that was a little bit different at the time. I think of Christopher Nolan. Look, oh, it's a it's a superhero. Okay, it's not going to be what you were all familiar with a few years ago. It's going to be something completely different. And those are two more serious, dare I say, dark and gritty styles. Um, but I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with someone to give me something that I'm not expecting, and me again a lesson for me: letting go of what I know and trusting that they're gonna keep it 
Star Wars enough for me to 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 love. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a, a ton of sense. I'm excited. I think it is time for some fresh ideas and some things that are that might feel a little bit. Ooh, is that Star Wars? To people who have been around for a long time, but you need some new blood and new excitement uh, to have people's first Star Wars, right? To have them go, ooh, that's yeah. my Star Wars. I started with that uh, that Taiki Waititi uh, movie and that that's the feel that I want from Star Wars. So I think the only thing I ever get nervous about is feeling like a creative, uh, the creative vision respects Star Wars, which is a really weird thing to say. I think to me, Star Wars is this unique balance of it can be ridiculously silly and goofy and then it can turn and suddenly become this incredibly deep thematic thing. And uh, it, to me, it's this strange fine balance. I think it was intuitive to Lucas cause it's what he wanted to go from big, silly, goofy, weird alien, uh, cute droid family comedy and EOP pushing out a fart. And then, but no, this is this incredibly deep, serious thing. And uh, wanting people to have, have respect that star Wars can be both of those things. Right. Right. Yeah, it can be. It's big enough yeah. for it. Yeah, but within that, definitely want to see people just uh, stretch their wings and and be creative. That's uh that's my Star Wars talk today. Elbow room and yeah. wing stretching. Uh, how would you feel about standalones that developed into their own trilogy series? So, uh, let's say this uh, Taiki Waititi movie is, hey, just you do something, and then <laughs> it comes out whatever year it's going to come out, and if it goes great. We'll make more. If not, great movie. See you later. How would you feel about that approach? You strawberry hit a home run. I'd like that. I like. I like that. It's, it's just built into Star Wars and these type of franchises. You you do want the story to go on. You do. You know, if if you're like us and you love Solo, it's not just for Han and Chewie. It's all the other characters and the ideas presented. You do want to go on. It's just. It's kind of how we were raised. You know, kind of the success of Empire is. Hey, you love that thing a few years ago? We're gonna we're not only just gonna make it uh, better, we're gonna make it bigger, and it's gonna feel uh, you're gonna meet new characters, and you're gonna want to know their story too. So, yeah, I think it would be natural to to uh, I'd want for Forbidden Romance too. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something that's really uh, interesting to me about you got Star Wars uh, colon Forbidden Romance, and if there's ideas that come organically out of the creation of Star Wars colon Forbidden Romance that make you want to make a second one, that that might be a better way to go in this era where we've had a lot of people chasing MCU, which, right. you know, MCU was planned in that these are comic book characters whose stories go on and have a lot of stories to tell. Not everything was planned uh, down to the detail, obviously. Uh, but I think other people have kind of tried to rush that and, it's really interesting to me to, to see that Lucasfilm might be thinking more about let's just try a movie and see what's happening instead of like, you know, doing a universal and, and announcing a dark universe. And then the first film doesn't go and they're like, never mind. Um, and the challenges that DCU has, has had trying to rush toward this big thing. It's interesting to think of, let's just do a couple movies and see where they go. I love that. I think that is more Star Wars than the other side of things. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Ken, for talking mm. through standalones. I clearly had more opinions than I even realized. I'm excited for the possibility of standalones, uh, but I, I still need them to feel 
a certain way for me. Uh, I want to close out with kind of a classic question. If you could get one very minor background character in their own one-shot story, who do you pick? One, so, oh, here's the old Star Wars, what does one minor feel, right? <laughs> what, what does that really mean? Uh, one minor character who hasn't already um, got it. So one-shot story, movie, TV show, something like that, but one shot. You get one shot to do it all. Okay. Um. Oh, I even knew this was coming, and I'm I'm changing my answer a few times. I was I was trying to go like R. Singh, but then <laughs> ah, we got a lot of R. R. Singh. Uh, you know, sad tale of Ula might be something that's there. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, said a lot there. Um, I want to know. Uh, I want to know Low Gray's story. How did he get to be the one whispering? <laughs> Whispering in the ear of Chirpa. I, you, you all know my Chief Chirpa story, but this is Low Gray, Medicine Man. I want to know that. Do you think he had to kill some other Ewoks to get that position? I see him as a Baelish, Varus type, Game of Thrones kind of <laughs> snake in the woods. Like I, it's very disconcerting to me that he's the, the, the that Chief Chirpa can't say release him because Low Gray's like, no, 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 no. I'm the power here. That's concerning. We need to He know is how. the power behind the throne. Yeah. yeah. He is the one whispering in those uh, cute circular teddy bear ears, isn't he? <laughs> yes. I want to know that story. <laughs> uh, I'm torn. I, I, I want to answer everything these days is a Lulilo Primaka, that yeah. weirdo, the singer in a jar from solo. Uh, a lot of people have talked about, Hey, let's uh, behind the music. That'd be great. Um, so I, I'm tempted to go with that. Uh, in terms of minor character though, I would love to see Dengar. You know what? Everybody makes it the jokes about Dengar, but I think yeah. Dengar is the perfect candidate for that kind of uh, person having the worst day of their life. Yeah. Uh, comedy adventure. I was talking about, I want, I want Dengar's very bad day. That's a great one. That's what we need. <laughs> I have, I have an update. I have one too. I have another one. I think you would, you would okay. agree. And you and I could build this one out. We need the star Wars version of working nine to five. We need the, and combined with the, the movie Waitress, we need the Hermione Bagua story. <laughs> the most minor of Star Wars yeah. characters, Hermione Bagua, yeah. the human <laughs> server in Dexter's Diner. That would be uh, awesome. I'd also take any number of Jedi stories. Uh, the, the, I love your forbidden romance. I, I got a Jedi story. I'm not even going to pitch on the podcast because it would be great to pitch yep. it someday. I think there's thousands of stories to be told with just individual Jedi adventures. It would be absolutely awesome. Thank you for talking through standalones. Um, turn it back to you for uh, power of the light side. Yeah. It's a good conversation to have right now as uh, we start to look to the future because the future is here for star Wars. We are past a lot of those things. It was always like after nine, after this, well, we're there. So power of the light side is our segment where we put a call out on Patreon and let you share a story where star Wars has uh, just inspired you, given you hope. It is the light side of the force. And this week, uh, Joseph, we have Jared Bennett riding in here. Uh, do you want to do the honors or should I, sir? Oh, go for it. All righty. That sounded really, that sounded sarcastic. It was. <laughs> All righty. Um, <laughs> over the past few years, Jared writes, uh, there have been some really hard life challenges. And in the midst of depression, Star Wars always brings me hope. The central message, whether it be the movies, TV shows, books, etc., is always good triumphing over evil, hope triumphing over loss, love bringing us back to the light side, 
We see that in Luke helping turn Vader back to Anakin. Leia bringing the best out of Han. Ray challenging Ben to come back to the light wherever I'm feeling, whenever I'm feeling down. I can always watch any Star Wars and it brings me joy. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Well said, Jared. Star Wars is a lot of things, but hope, redemption, uh, love triumphing over uh, a lot of things, good over evil, and how you do that, that's part of the story. I think that's a great power of the light side, Joseph. Yeah, it's a really beautiful one. It gets to the heart of, I think, uh, one of the most powerful parts of Star Wars. Is, uh, I was going on about my opinions about how it can be fun and light and weird, but it's got this great heart to it, and I think Jared really captures that here. Does indeed. And right now we're going to go to our audience for some questions. We take these questions uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and on our Patreon page. So we go to DC. DC writes, with Clone Wars coming to a close, what would your ideal next animated show focus on? If not the search for Ezra, I'd love to see a show based around Afra. So, yeah, this question has been asked a lot of times. But, again, DC's asking a question that is so of the moment and important to us fans now. Clone Wars is done. What is next? Joseph, what pitch are you willing to share on this one? Well, I will say I think the uh, Ahsoka Sabine search for Ezra series is coming. And I think with uh, everything going on, that animation seems to be able to continue uh, right now when the world's having its challenging inside times. I uh, I think that might be announced soon. I think that Dr. Afra uh, being that audiobook, I think, is a way to get Afra out to people who don't read comics. So I think something Afra is coming. So I wanted to acknowledge those. If something besides the uh, search for Ezra and the Dr. Afra, as DC asks about. Mm. If we're never going to get a solo two in theaters, I'd be happy to see uh, some of that Enfys Nest story continue, uh, the Kira story continue, uh, the Crimson Dawn story continue in animated form would be awesome. Yeah, I'm more interested than I thought I'd be uh, in in Maul, Crimson Dawn, and, and going beyond the events of Solo in animated form. I, I'm not resistant to animation and, and, and cartoons and all anything you want to call it. Animation is a very viable medium. And it's weird to think that over, you know, that might have been part of the reason I didn't jump right into, I didn't see Clone Wars in the theater, the movie, and I didn't take to the series immediately right away just because I think I had a little bit of that bias, a little bit of that like, eh, I'll wait for something in live action. Clone Wars mattered. Rebels mattered. I'll tell you what, I just finished Resistance. And the final few episodes, the the leading lead up to the end, I was in it, man. I thought they did a great job, and it looks great. So I think I think you could approach something like that that I didn't I wouldn't maybe have been on board for even just a year or so ago. Especially what especially the way that that Maul uh, Ahsoka lightsaber fight was with some uh performance capture going into it. It looked so uh so damn good. So I'm on board for that. Yeah, Ezra. Sabine, Ahsoka, something Ahsoka related just seems to make some sort of sense. Uh, Afra, we're getting the radio drama. Like I said, uh, I'm all on board for that. Uh, I still love my Ray Sloan. I don't know what you could do. If anyone else is interested in in the early days of the First Order, I don't know. But I, I'm still willing and want and, and just want to explore that character more. Oh, I'm I'm all on board. I think that could be really interesting. Uh, casting uh, Ray as the Ray Sloan as the main character mm-hmm. and learning the First Order origins in animated form. Uh, I'd love it. 
The good Wookiee uh, Riot. Wookiee Riot, right? It's been ruminating on pod racing. And while I have fallen into the sarlacc of logical fallacy, hear me out. If Anakin is a remarkable human for his pod racing, a.k.a. must have Jedi reflexes, do all the alien racers have Jedi reflexes? I'm betting, hashtag, I'm betting heavily on Sebulba. Uh, Wookie Riot, uh, this is a, a, a great question here. Uh, Joseph, how do you interpret that? I've thought about that a lot since 1999. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean to you? Oh, yeah, I thought about that a lot in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always interpreted it as just biologically humans are kind of crap compared to a lot of the other yes. <laughs> species in Star Wars is just honestly the way I took it of like different uh, biology, a different eye placement, a different range of uh, vision or, you know, your act, their brains can actually, you know, compute the data of the physical space coming at them more quickly. And that in order for Anakin to do it because he was a human, mm-hmm. it, that's why it, it took human uh, Jedi reflexes for a human. Uh, yeah, we, yes, exactly. 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 How I've, I've always taken it. You, you got to have Jedi reflexes if you're human, because the guy next to you might have three eyes and six arms and <laughs> he can control things a lot differently than you. Now, Ben Quadraneros, I don't know. It just was the power of his mind. You know, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. So yeah, but yeah, Wookie, right. We love that you're ruminating on pod racing because we do that often here. And there's many questions to ask out of that pod race. To Patreon we go. Kyle Barrett writes, why do you think Maul didn't tell the Jedi who Sidious was during the Clone Wars? If he wanted to disrupt Palpatine's plan and gain power in the chaos of the Clone Wars, then what better way to reveal the identity of the Phantom Menace? Ooh, I like this, Kyle. It's a like, I like a good question that makes you go, hmm, good point. Wonder why. Uh, the, the chaos theory, uh, Joseph, I mean, you know, uh, maybe that's... I don't know. Maybe it's better to keep the Jedi in the dark. Maybe it's get better to get the Jedi out of the way. It would be beneficial to Maul, I think, to have them all go with the plan. Uh, so what do you think about that here? Yeah, I think uh, this this is such a great question. It's one of the reasons uh, I recently rewatched the uh, Clone Wars episode Revival. It's uh, one of the first ones where Maul is trying to put some money and a plan together uh, so he can go get Kenobi. Uh I think it is just the escalation of the character that he is focused on Kenobi on on getting revenge. He's focused on building up a little bit of his power. I think you could even interpret it um, that there's some hope that maybe he will get back into the graces of the Sith or overthrow Sidious. I think he only gets so desperate as to be even considering reaching out to the Jedi who he has been trained to hate since birth uh, when he's had so much stripped from him specifically by Sidious. Sidious yeah. comes in and takes his uh, empire and uh, his brother and uh, he takes even more from him in that son of Dathomir comic. So I think we only see him get to that point where that would even be entertained because of everything he goes through in the clone Wars. So I, I think just for me, emotionally, it makes sense that he's focused on get some power back get Kenobi back and it, it wouldn't occur to him to is that as a chess move until much later. Yeah. I, uh, again, keep kind of keeping with chaos. You know, you got to keep ahead of it. You got to move, you got to surf that wave. And, and so he's got some things that would keep him going there right away. Yeah. It makes sense. And again, you know, Hey, if you knew maybe that's the specifics, but you know, there was something in place, something going on. And in the end result might be a lot of those goody two shoes with the lightsabers out of the way. I just kind of sit back as well. 
Dave, <laughs> yeah, Dave B. Dave B. writes, "What is a piece of head cannon for you that you are particularly content or joyful about? Either something that's a positive where you filled in some blanks that heightened a scene or character, or something uh, that is uh, was a challenge that you felt uh, need to explain further to have it make more sense." Thanks to the three of you. Yeah, Jennifer as well. Uh, always here in spirit. So, uh, yeah, I got to roll through some headcanon stuff here in my Rolodex. What do you have, Joseph? Yeah, I mean, I know I have lots of different headcanon. And honestly, one of the effects of getting to talk about it so much is sometimes it is hard for me to pull it out of the Rolodex. One that we've talked about a lot and other people have this uh, this theory in belief as well as I like the idea that the Jedi robes look like it just that's what people wear on Tatooine because they dress plainly like farmers. Um, I know I've seen Matt Martin tweeting about that. I don't know if it's official canon, uh, but that's a piece of head canon I like. The one that is not light and fun, but the one that I think about a lot because it comes up in discussions about Kenobi is the re- end of Revenge of the Sith. And some people think Kenobi is a jerk or weak or it's a, you know, quote unquote plot hole that Kenobi doesn't just finish Anakin slash Vader after he's left him burning on the side of the lake, um, the lava river. And the headcanon that I have for that is Kenobi sees uh, Anakin burn and there's a part of him that thinks, oh, come on. He's done. He, he's he's got to be done. And I, I have the headcanon that Kenobi lets himself believe that because the truth is he can't bring himself to just end him. Uh, in that I'm hoping that that's a springboard for the Kenobi television series because it's, it's a headcanon that makes sense to me because it is about the character of Kenobi trying to do his job and stopping Anakin, but really just not being able to bring himself to end him. And for me, it makes more sense why Kenobi is so adamant that he, that Luke has to end Vader in order to end the Sith. Yeah, yeah, gosh, I really hope so. I really hope that has a lot to do with uh, the series. We'll see. I'm sure it will. Sure it will. I know they released some information on some of, you know, not necessarily the, the show, what it's going to be about, but the world that it's going to be set in, right? Um yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one there. I, I was trying to think something pretty big and sweeping and important, but I'm going to go with an old school one that I used to talk about a lot on Jedi Alliance, and it's it's shared by many. But I uh, I'm definitely convinced that uh, some sort of kiss at the very least went down between Shmi and Qui Gon. I, I definitely think there was some heat, 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 and I don't think Qui Gon would go against his vows. I think they had a very adult conversation about what could, could not happen, and and uh, it was painful and it was heart wrenching. Uh, and then maybe there's a part of uh, Qui Gon that was like, I really, I really want to save her. No. All right, maybe maybe that's for the better. Uh, I'm kidding there a little bit on that. Um, but yeah, I still, I definitely still think there's some heat between them, some kind of connection. Yeah, I no, I agree. I, I like that headcanon too. That even if nothing came of it, I think that they stayed up late talking uh, after Anakin uh, went to sleep, and there's there's definitely. Uh, spark, a beautiful, beautiful spark between Qui-Gon and Shmi. Which is interesting. I'm, I'm really into the forbidden Jedi love today, so I, there must be some theme. I'll, I'll look into that, folks. I'll look into that. Uh, thank you, Dave, Kyle, Wookie, Riot, and DC. We appreciate your questions. If you have a question for us, a thought on today's episode, want to join the conversation, follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use hashtag Force Center. We'd like our Facebook page. 
Follow us on Instagram. Our podcast is available in a lot of different spots like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Uh, tpublic.com slash user slash forcecenter. Uh, Patreon.com slash forcecenter for the uh, uh, the uh, Patreon support if you choose to support. Many levels, many plans. Send a fresh round of collector cards out last week, so more on the way. And, Joseph, we want to highlight YouTube YouTube, where we have our In Memoriam videos. We just had the Duchess Satine one up. We have the Mall one. We have the Star Wars show and tell and old episodes and more coming. So, Joseph, they should they should do the YouTube thing and like and subscribe, right? Yeah, that's right. Man, I feel like a real uh, media talking type person when we're really saying like and subscribe. But that's <laughs> that's where we are. Go yeah. like, subscribe. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. We're on YouTube. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Uh, go follow Force Center on TikTok next. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We can't. We can't. <laughs> follow Jennifer. Follow Jennifer. She's, she's, she's doing it all. She's the only TikToker I'll watch. Uh, seriously. The other the dances that I do, just watch Jennifer's TikTok. Uh, you can follow Jennifer at Jennifer Landa and her YouTube channel as well. You can follow me at Catnapsock. Go to catnapsock.com for all of uh, my adventures. And Joseph, they can uh, do the same for you, right? Yeah, that's right. You can find uh, comedy albums and my podcast Obsessed and future comedy shows uh, on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can follow my various life and writing adventures and all sorts of stuff on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. Please do it. And we will be back next week with another main show, Star Wars Rank, coming up. Uh, Clone Wars Report will continue in some form or another looking back maybe once a month. And there's the Mandalorian documentary series. There's a lot of Star Wars and a lot to talk about. And we want to thank all of you for continuing this journey with us. We'll see you next time. This was Force Center. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.